Welcome to episode 17 of Something Inventive, Al in his Lem. Donald McPartland joins us to talk about why he studied an MBA, diversifying his business and editing our podcast. We also discuss how we make our podcast at great length. Finally, Al is now settled into his garden office or lunar excursion module, as he describes it, and is almost ready to ditch his power and internet umbilical. Okay, so what um, we're going to talk about podcasts in this episode, I think. If that, if that's it. or, or more specifically, our podcast. So this podcast. Um, that not doesn't have to be everything, but I think that's uh, you know it'd be. It, I think it'd be quite an interesting topic, you know, like why we're doing it, how you're editing it, and talk about yeah, like the, yeah. the the process would be good. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Yeah, okay. Um, and then, so Donal, what? How you you gave me lots of little things we can talk about. What? Um, some of them I didn't even understand. Um, so you might have to help me out there. Sure. What? What? Because we'll we'll start with you. We'll introduce who you are. That you're the editor, um, and then you can talk about. I'll hand over to you, and you can just talk about a little, little bit about your background. Obviously, like you say, don't 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 go on too long. Uh, <laughs> I'd just like to thank everyone uh, who knows me. Yeah, don't talk about the parties at university. That's um, <laughs> like that, yeah, of course. <laughs> so yeah, but you can talk about that's where you can talk about the uh, um, your MBA and um, okay, yeah, great. And going through that, why you did that, how how that's working out, that sort of thing. Super. And then um, I'm going to go. We haven't got any podverts. So I'm going to say we haven't got any podverts, and this is how you do a podvert. Um, and then we'll go on to how and why we podcast. Good idea. So the process, the process of our podcast. What's that noise, Al? That's me. I'm just rearranging things. Sorry. Uh, Try not to make any noise during the thing. Okay, that's good. This is part of it, I suppose, isn't it? This sort of pre. Try not to make any noise during the podcast. That is part of the podcast. Yeah, it's really important, especially drinking tea, <laughs> slurping tea, farting, burping. We don't fart. I don't know, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> I'm just funny enough. The missus has just popped up, and I'm, I'm letting her know that I'm recording a podcast. So I'll, whatever it is, I'll do it in an hour. <laughs> yeah. Now, can you hear what I'm sitting on? Can you can you hear this noise? What? I can hear. Oh, uh, there's a kind of faint fluffing sound right okay mm. it's um i'm wondering if it, i'm sitting on like a yoga ball oh right but it, i don't know if it's actually any better <laughs> oh <laughs> lou, lou has lou has one that she was sitting on and she didn't want to use it anymore so she's thrown it in my office and so i thought well maybe it might be quieter to sit on than my chair but i'm not sure that's true actually have you fallen off it yet no no i'm still on it and thrown your and thrown your tea halfway across the room <laughs> Yeah, it will happen. Uh, just to oh, you. is that is that not a good idea then? It's a, yeah, I'm sure it will happen at some point. Um. um okay. So yeah. So um. So should we should we have a little chat about what what we're going to talk about just in general? So that I mean, this is my first time being recorded in this context. So just to okay, add a little bit of, add a little bit of lubricant to what's going to unfold. So you, you obviously <laughs> you've probably heard our preamble on some of them because I do tend to leave it in. Sometimes it might be you may find it interesting to put in somewhere. Um, yeah, and I must admit that the, the more successful podcasts that we've recorded together 
uh, or that you've recorded and I've edited are the ones where the preamble actually outlines what you're going to discuss so that pe it, it just flows a little bit nicer okay. when, when we get to the, yeah, yeah, the main that's... bulk of it. Um, so I guess actually the podcast started now with this preamble. Oh, oh right, we mm. started already. Okay, I better... I better yeah. I've got at least an hour and a half minutes of material here. <laughs> uh, I may lop off the first six and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note then we should uh, we should outline what we're going to talk about in the podcast as uh this is a very meta podcast because we're going to be talking about the podcast in our podcast but i think it's relevant to some people um but we also have a guest donald mcpartland is here uh who howdy. is the editor of our podcast say hello donald howdy doodly um donald will be telling us a little bit about himself um later on and how we we met each other at university and uh, not too many of those stories please Donal um, absolutely and then what you've been up to and then we're going to be talking a little bit about podcasting why we're doing it how we do it how Donal edits it and that sort of thing awesome exciting stuff um but first I want to speak to I want to hear from Al about his new office because mm. he's podcasting from it apparently I am and you should be able to only hear the faint sound of dogs barking at the moment which is very no very nice um so yes I'm in the garden at literally at the end of the garden uh, in my new office, which I've nicknamed the LEM, uh, in tribute to the uh, lunar excursion module, oh. because it, it feels it feels a bit like a kind of uh, a, a space mission, having built the thing, uh, and also it does share quite a lot of similarities with said uh, um, uh, mm. module. So, can, I ask, uh, can I ask a question out? Yes, uh, as yes. I know your podcast intimately, uh, having heard and edited them all, are you running? I, I remember you uh, <laughs> saying that you you were wondering how you were going to get power to said module, and are you mm. running it from <laughs> a forklift truck <Right>. battery? <laughs> <laughs> At the moment, I can see a, a blue wire snaking through the garden <laughs> and down back to the house. <laughs> so currently, no. Um, Just an extent. That provides two things: power and the internet. Because I'm running internet over oh, the power great. cable. Okay, how are you doing that? What What are you using? Um, some TP-Link um, internet over power cable devices. Mm -hmm. uh, and at this end, I've got like a quite a big wall socket um, that does Wi-Fi and has a sort of um, you know Ethernet port thing, so I can plug my computer straight in. It's not it's not as fast as in the house, obviously, but it's not bad so far. This is only day one, so uh, I, I'm not sure, um, but uh, yeah, that seems to work. So far, so but good. Ideally, yeah, so far, so good. Ideally, I do want to revert to batteries to make it more like a mm. spaceship, so that <laughs> it kind of has to dock every now and again to kind of recharge. And if you recall on the um, on Apollo 13, where they they have a bit of trouble, they have to kind of um, run the lemma under like one amp or something like that in order for it to get back to work cool. and stuff. And um, yeah, it's very much like that. I'm monitoring my power usage, you know, by the by the milliamp almost, um, to make sure that I could potentially run it on batteries. I'm not sure you'll get it under one <laughs> amp, though. It is. It's it's point five. It's point five eight amps. I'm running. So yeah, I'm doing that. And if, if I shut off various other services, uh, I, should, I should be able to reduce it by milliamps. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Maybe the coffee machine is a little too far. I don't know. Uh, um, so yeah, it's it's quite exciting, and uh, it's also it is a log. It is made of wood, but it's also cladded in metal, so it looks a bit spacey. So it all kind of fits, and um, when you are in here, it does feel like you're a million miles from anywhere. So yeah, it's a kind of a spaceship module, wooden cabin thing oh, cool. with 
And um, can we have a picture uh, to share in the blog post uh, to accompany this? Indeed. I'd like to, because I have Indeed, seen it yes. and I've seen your fake funky lights you've got in there as well. Yes, it's got some funky spaceship style lights, which look like I borrowed them off uh, the Tron set. Um, so that's kind of nice. Uh, yeah, and again, very space look, space age looking. Impressive. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, before we go anything else, I've got to swap my chair because it's squeaking like a lot. <laughs> and it's really annoying me. I know I said I was on a bouncy ball, but I swapped quickly as we started. I'm going to get this ball back because otherwise it's just so squeaky, my chair. I can't stand it. Sorry. Oh, I, I, I need to find a chair that makes no noise whatsoever. If anyone can recommend one, I'd love to hear it. A stool. A stool. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a wooden chair, I've got a modern office chair, and now I've got a ball. I've actually got a sort of recline, little reclining plastic chair. All of them make noise. It's so frustrating. Try just sitting on the floor. <laughs> I will. I might do that. Although I can't get close enough to Mike doing that. Mm. That's the problem. Mm. Um, right, well, it's... It, I look forward to seeing the, the pictures of it, of it f fully finished. I think it was almost finished by the time we, we'd seen it. So, um, yeah, it'd be good to see that, Al. And uh, it certainly sounds good. I, I don't hear any echoes, so it all sounds pretty good in there. Um, right, so let's get on with the sponsor, and then we can introduce our guest properly, because um, I know he's champing at the bit, and then we can get on talking about podcasts. The sponsor, as usual, is our Be Sociable book, uh, which is full of easy-to-use social media tips and strategy to get you and your business noticed by the right people and for the right reasons. Now, you can go out and buy it. It's available for iPhone, iPad, and Mac at $9.99 on the iBook store. However, if you want a free copy, you can just visit our website, ratherinventive.com. You can sign up for our newsletter, which is just at the bottom of the page. So you just scroll down, and you'll get the book right away as a PDF version um, by email. So why did we write the book? Well, I was working with a social media trainer called Helen Caldercutt. And um, while we were researching many of the workshops that we were putting together, we found thousands of you know, websites, videos, books, tips, and so on, all around social media. But a lot of them weren't very concise and, and most were pretty dreadful, to be honest. We wanted to put something together for people who attended our workshops that was concise and easy to read. Some of the tips in the book are like getting a recognisable profile name, talking to Twitter as a Purton. <laughs> as a Purton? Sorry. <laughs> as a what? Talking to Twitter. <laughs> as a parrot. <laughs> Shush. Shush now. Uh, talking to Twitter as a person or stalking your customers on LinkedIn. Um, so to get the book, you can just search for Be Sociable Ben on Google or you can visit our website and click the social book link in the menu and go and get a copy. It's only $9.99. However, for you cheapskates out there, you can go to our website, ratherinventive.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, just subscribe to our newsletter and uh, the first email you'll get is a copy of our book. And that is it. Please do go, go and get a copy. It's completely free. Okay. Um, right. So let's introduce our guest properly. This is uh, Donald McPartland. He's the editor of our podcast. Um, Donald, I'll just hand it over to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself um, and what you've, what, what you've been up to in your career. Um, well, as you know, Ben, um, you and I met over a discussion over computers many moons ago. It was actually computers that brought us together and kept us together all these years. And um, yeah, I mean, I, my, uh, my career has been moving in parallel to yours. I've been running a business called Donalize Films now for a, a number of years. And I recently reached a point where 
I fancied um, diversifying my skills base um, and decided to go back to university to study an MBA. Mm -hmm. So the question on a lot of people's lips is, was it worth it? And I, I would like to think it was. Um, and I think in, in the ways that it's really helped me to, I already, um, oh, now, <coughs> it is harder than it looks, Al. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're right. Um, yeah, so I'll, obviously I'll edit out. Yeah, these blabber, are the bits but, that uh, Donal normally edits out. But we, we might keep them all in <laughs> just so you know that's going to work. <laughs> I think so. I think that would be that would be good. Yes, let's keep everything in. No editing. No, we'll have a guest no. editor this week. I'll be the <laughs> guest editor. <laughs> yeah. Um, where was I? Anyway, yeah. So the point was, uh, I went back. I found myself in uh, middle management, shall we say. Uh, I'd already mastered my own um, domain, which was in design and animation and 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 whatnot. And then I thought, okay, I, I mean, I've, I've got my own business, but I don't really understand how to run it. So I thought, well, I'll, t I'll take an MBA. I thought, I'll have a punt. <laughs> and um, what that taught me is about all other aspects of business functions that I hadn't previously understood. For example, operations, economics, finance, um, all the other aspects of running a business that you don't necessarily know. I mean, as entrepreneurs, and we're all entrepreneurs who are listening to this podcast, ideally, and if when you're running a business you tend to learn about a business as you're running yeah. it whereas th this was a great opportunity to step back and look at hang on a minute what about you know, I've been working within a corporation within a specific job function for a number of years I tend to know marketing quite well what about the rest of the business so um, and that's why a course like this really helped me to take an elevated position I got out of it a 360 degree view of, of all of the business functions with a view to a, diversifying my own small business, but also considering other options. So it, it was an incredible learning experience. Um, what's unique about the programme I took, there's a personal development aspect built into that. And, and that's what made me realise that actually business studies in general is a social science. It can be quite scientific and, and quite cold when you get down mm. to the nitty gritty. It's, it's the science of how to make money. But there is a social side to that. And, and that, that, that bit I found extremely fascinating. <clears throat> helped me to understand my, myself better as a, as a practitioner. Helped me to understand how to relate to other people within the dynamics of a, a work environment. And then, uh, yeah, and then the, the end product is that I've, um, I've found the confidence now, a newfound confidence to diversify my business from where it was um, into two other, well, it's now three businesses, really. Um, so I've launched, um, I had originally Donalized Films, which is fantastic, and, that, and that's great. I'll just, it's there, Donalized Films. I'm waiting for the big moment for where, when a budget's going to appear. Um, I mean, that's a fascinating business in that it moves in and out of dormancy. Mm. But then I thought, well, during the dormant periods, what, what, what else can Donalize do? Um, and uh, I've, I've recently launched Donalize Logistics. So um, I've I found a company in China that sells ebook readers uh, called Onyx International. Admittedly, I found this company through my partner. Um, so Donalize Logistics is now focused on uh, marketing ebook readers here in this country. Uh, and, and I must admit, that, that, that comes with a whole set of new challenges. I need to create a market for this product because the market doesn't presently exist. Most people are not familiar with this product. Is this the product that you, you've had to buy a job lot of and you're selling them, or is it something where you have the, the, the rights to, re, to sell them and distribute them? That's a good question. Um, so I, I've got a unique relationship with the supplier in China 
in that, at the moment, as far as I can tell, I'm the only supplier within the UK. In, in other countries where, where this product is sold, uh, certain people do have the right to be the sole distributor. At present, I don't have that, but I do have a, um, a, a good channel of communication with the supplier. And actually, now I'm in a position where I'm, I'm accepting all their returns um, for them. But I'm obviously selling their product for them as well. So I haven't got sole distribution rights just yet, but um, never say never. I think I've got to be trained to be able to refurbish their product to be able right. to do that. Anyway, so so that's another avenue of exploration. And then on top of that, I've also got um, an academic writing or specifically focused on English business called Donalized Lexical. The, the broad view is, without going into too much detail about all of the ventures, is that I've been able to diversify my, my business to, to find cash flow from other revenue streams that I hadn't first imagined. I think also with the, the Donalized films, um, the, the business comes and goes, doesn't it? Because when people have a budget to do some work, then that comes your way. And then it, just, it might disappear for some time uh, until you can either find another client or that budget comes around again for that big project. So you really, you're, you're really sort of uh, mount peaks and troughs in terms of the, the cash flow coming in, which is, is fine if you can work with that, but it's often quite difficult to do. Yes, uh, and I think that, that's what I found. I mean, uh, it, it, it's quite... Uh, I mean, one of the things I learned on the course as well is... is uh, about global macroeconomics and how certain markets are, can be quite sensitive to, you know, geopolitical mm. events. And, and there's a big one happening in the UK right now that I don't need to mention because every time you turn on the news, you hear about it. So um, in line with those geopolitical events, suddenly certain budgets get cut, quite often marketing budgets, learning and development budgets, you name it. And then during these quiet periods, um, I've found, my, you know, businesses in general probably need to consider mm. other options while we're in these kind of hiatuses. Um, and, um, yeah, in this particular hiatus, I realised that, oh, actually, that, you know, um, although I've lost in this this area, if I diversify the business into other areas, then there's revenue streams from those instead. So I think it's been about being sensitive to market conditions, um, being able, being adaptive being agile and then being able to adapt to the, the situations in order to find a new situ or, or a new opportunity to exploit, really, um, what during the quiet patches. But um, don't get me wrong, Donalized Films is my first love um, and my main love. <laughs> and uh, sooner or later, I've, I mean, I've, there's people out there that, that know what my business does and I've made some fantastic film projects over the years. But um, just... Yeah, you've got some great clients on it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next big Donalized Films venture, but during the quiet patches, you know, one one has to consider other options. So, how, how was it going from primarily a digital product like a film, moving to like a, a real tangible product like a, an e-reader? That's that's quite a difficult. Diff, it's quite a difficult thing because I work in obviously work in digital. And I always think if a meteor strikes the earth and all the digital data is like, well, I've got nothing to show for like the last 20 years of what I've been doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? This just doesn't really exist. Um, Do you know what you mean? Yeah, because the, the digital realm that we exist in, 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 our, in our various business, rather inventive and donalized films, it, 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 is a, they are, it is a very digital space where there isn't anything, you, you're not producing anything tangible as such. But yeah, you're mm. right, I've moved into a, a, just a completely different, um, not, not entirely different, because it's still, it's still high-tech, high-value items. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a certain, it's a real thing you can hold, isn't it, and see and drop. But and... It, is a, it is a genuine uh, item that, that I have to import, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, and, and how to manage that is a completely different thing. It's a supply chain, 
Uh, and I think, to be honest, this, the whole point is the the MBA geared me up to be, have the confidence mm. to be able to do that. I only knew my own little corner, and I just kept working within that. And then, and t- once I took this other course, I learned about supply chain. I, le- I learned about operations. I learned about uh, finance. And then suddenly, I was able to manage my personal finances differently. Manage the debt and equity of my personal finances to be able to invest or have the confidence to invest in stock mm. from abroad. And then market it on e-commerce platforms like I'm doing here. So a lot of the skills are transferable. Um, you know, running running a business, a business is business. Um, you still need to know how to run a business. Uh, I'm just actually physically buying something now and turning that into something else, or selling, buying and selling now, uh, rather than building something from nothing, which is effectively what digital mm. practitioners do, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yes, that's right. So, so yeah, that, that, <clears throat> that's the journey that um, Donalize has recently been on. Donalize is a business, by the way. It's also, well, it's, it's been, I think, ever since we met <laughs> university, and I think I, I didn't say, but I think we were out of our group. We were one of the first to meet up and actually get get together. I think it was in the pub. But you've always gone by Donalize. That has always been your sort of brand name. You've carried that through from university all the way through now to actual business that, that sort of makes stuff, real stuff, albeit virtual. Um, yeah. And it's it's nice. It's almost like this sort of uh, the the Virgin idea that you're, you're you've got your brand, and then you can just apply that to different things. Exactly. I mean, it's a funny story. The, the story of Donalize and where that came from. It actually came from when when I was at school. Some of my friends had a laugh and said, "Oh, Donalization is occurring." Ha ha ha. And I thought, hang on a minute, that's an idea for yeah, a, a business. So I said, "Why not make?" And it, it, originally, it started as a joke. Um, I'll make Donalize.com. I think you might remember me registering the domain back then. And for a long time, donalize.com was literally just a, a landing page with uh, a rude picture on it. <laughs> I went, as I all the first best website. <laughs> and then as time went on, I thought, yeah. hang on a minute, you know, I've, I've got a domain, I've got a web space, let's, let's actually make this into something. And, and then I'm, I'm pleased to say that your, your business in the background has always been, I mean, I've always been, what's the best way of describing it, squatting on your server. <laughs> These past, I don't know, fifteen years or so. Have but actually, ever since we've had hosting, I think you sort of snuck your way on and the sort of that's <laughs> in there. But that's right. I mean, but but you've seen the, the progression of the business. So I've, I had Donalize one that came with the dot com bubble in the early two thousands, and, and we that's really where we both uh, we all got on board the digital with the digital domains. And then and then there's been a few lulls, and then Donalize two came along. And then now we're on Donalize 3.0, which, which um, rather than inventive, was explicit at helping me build. And I'm very pleased with the, the result, by the way, guys, I must add. So, um, but that, that was the first time I was able to distance myself from the baby, as it were, and actually sit back and see how, you know, a couple of chaps who, who are, you know, more skilled at I, at web design and web marketing, were able to, you know, create the new face of, of that, that part of the business. So... Uh, I think also what you did with uh, not just the website but the way you presented yourself is you went from you being Donalize to Donalize being a thing, a separate entity almost, like a business, yes. because it was very much you doing the work. And, I, and that still is to some extent true, yes. but you really wanted to go in the bi- into the business by saying it isn't always just me. Um, I might be directing it, not necessarily just doing the work. I might bring other people to do some of the the animation or the voiceover, what, you know, whatever whatever it might be, or the filming. But it, you were um, 
running the business more so than just the business. And I think that was a big change in, in terms of how you were thinking about your business. And maybe the MBA sort of brought you to that position as well. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you there. Um, I, I think one of the hardest things for any entrepreneur anyway to do is to look at their own business objectively because it's personal to you. I mean, you've invested a lot of a significant amount of your life in it. So one of the hardest things for you, for you as an entrepreneur to do, it's called growing pains, I think it's referred to officially as, but when, when the uh, business grows, the, the entrepreneur has, it, takes a, it reaches a point yep. where the entrepreneur has to step back and trust other people to, to help move that business along. And I think that, that, that's a quite a key turning point in, in anyone running or trying to grow a business where, yeah, and, and I had to do that. And I, and I guess the, the course itself, the MBA, actually gave me the confidence to be able to do that and also identify when I was consciously doing that and I was referring to the business as Donalize mm. the business instead of me as Donalize. So I'm no longer Donalize. I had to separate myself from that. I'm just Donal McParland. Well, I think, I think whether you do sell the business or not is almost irrelevant, but thinking about it as if you are not, the business is going to run, but you're not going to be part of it is a good way to think because you will make sure then that other systems are in place, whether they be automatic or run by people, um, to do everything that's needed to be done. And, and you don't need to be there. I mean, obviously, of course you can. You can be part of it, driving it forward to the next level. But to always think about, well, I'm going to make this business run without me is, is a good way to make a business run, um, just, just generally. Uh, I remember there's a book called The E-Myth. Have you guys read that or heard of it? Okay, it's worth looking at. I mean, there must be a synopsis for it online, but essentially it's um, through a series of um, probably unnecessarily long um, anecdotes. It talks about a woman who is a baker uh, and the process she goes through to realize that just she started baking because she could bake, because she could cook things. But that's not the reason necessarily to run a business, but that's how she started. And it's about then her steps to working herself out of that business and employing people and taking on a general manager and so on. And it, it, it wasn't so much what she had to do to get there, it's the mind, mindset that she had to have to not think that she was an entrepreneur just because she started a business, but she was an entrepreneur because she can start a business that will then eventually be able to run without her. And I thought that was quite interesting. Certainly worth, certainly worth reading if you can. It's, I think it's quite long, but you might be able to get it as an audio book. Mm. Um, it's called The E-Myth. The E-Myth, quite good. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'll look it up. And um, I think just to explain where the MBA journey's taken me now, so although I'm more confident at running uh, my little businesses, and that's fantastic, and one of the things I've loved about being back in the academic environment is actually being an academic. Mm. So I'm now considering um, furthering um, my studies to, to do a PhD, specifically in um, political marketing. So I, I'm drilling down deeper now um, into back into my niche. I think the MBA makes you become very general uh, away from your, your original starting point as a practitioner. Mm. And I've had a nice taste or a little sample of all the different business functions that exist, and that's great. And now it's time to dive deep again into, you know, what, what, are, what am I really fascinated about? And I just think that the political environment in the UK at the moment is fascinating anyway. I mean, there's some, been some hilarious... Um, and also you know, a little bit worrying things happening. Um, but um, yeah, political marketing seems to be uh, where I'm heading. And, and that makes absolute sense because I've spent so long in marketing in general that it would be fantastic to just you know dig deeper into this part of it and uh, see where that leads as well. 
So yeah, I'm, I'm really loving the the acad- academic environment, the academia, and I'm teaching academic writing to MSc students now as well. Mm. So Donalize Lexical is doing very well. It's actually the strongest part of the business at the moment. Um, whereby um, yeah, all, all of the academic reading I've been doing and all of the uh, all of the things that I've I've discovered, I, I'm now able to re- recycle for the uh, for the MSc students and, and help them on their merry, merry little paths as well. Yeah. How do you manage that? Is that is that online in person? Why how do you deliver that? Really? Well, I delivered uh, face-to-face this morning for three hours, <laughs> and now, now I'm here uh, yeah, chatting to you guys about it. Um, I, I uh, teach, yeah, I mean, it's full-time at the moment. It's a summer school, mm. um, so it, it, it's quite time-consuming. If, if, anyone, if anyone listening to this has ever done teaching, um, on paper it sounds great fun, but in reality it, it, it consumes you. Yeah. And, uh yeah, I mean, at the moment, I'm I'm helping 25 students intimately, but part we've actually got a huge intake now of, of students to try and help. So I'm one of um, six teachers um, delivering academic writing, English and academic writing, to these students in just just as a pre-sessional before they start their master's program. Yeah. So, um, and and it's an inter- it's another part of the business um, that are, you know are having having done the MBA, I'm able to find you know apply myself to this environment as well and and what's interesting about that is dynamics I think dynamics is transferable whether it be you know team dynamics within a context context of a corporation or classroom dynamics Um, dynamics are quite fascinating anyway and how people interact and 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 whatnot so again that's transferable as well but uh, it it all leads back to the the MBA process and the confidence that, that that's given me really to to try new things more than anything, mm. um, and I think you know, I think I think that's key. Also, it's worth mentioning, you know, Virgin. You did talk about Virgin, uh, Richard Branson, um, he, one one of my idols, really. I mean, he's 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 fantastic what he's achieved in in the course of his life. But not everybody remembers his fluff ups. I mean, obviously, Virgin Records we know, and it was incredible. Um, and then Virgin Atlantic, everybody knows. But what about his, you know, his other ventures that didn't weren't so successful? Can you remember any? Uh, no, I can't think. I mean, he had um, he he was doing the balloon thing, but I don't. I think that was just for that was more publicity and for fun and sponsorship. I know, I'm not sure he was actually doing that for balloon rides, was he? He was. He, he survived, which is always a good ending. <laughs> he, yeah. he did well, but he didn't. He, I don't. Think he never he, made it though, did he? No, but that yeah. wasn't the business. He didn't quite make it. That, that's him as the intrepid explorer, though, isn't yeah. it? And uh, but his other ventures, and mm. I'll say them, and you'll go, oh yeah, that weren't so successful. Were Virgin weddings. Really? Yeah, was... <laughs> mm, niche market yeah, there. Yeah, he had Virgin Wedding, which which uh, which had varying degrees of success, as it was <laughs> And then Virgin Cola. Um, oh no, might... I do remember that. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. yeah that was. Yeah. I mean, arguably one of his biggest uh, failures, really. You know, but but that, the the road to success has many failures. I think the, the point is that you're prepared to take a risk. Mm. On trying something, and you know, if, if it materialises, fantastic. And if it doesn't, then oh well, you know. And then you just in, you try another venture. Um, there's a sorry to interrupt. There's a there's a quote I remember um, from someone funny enough who's doing a business course when I was at university, and it was someone it was someone like Babe Ruth or something, you know, like a bas- baseball star, I and mean, he'd hit like the most number of home runs or something. I don't know. He had like the world, you know, the record for the most number of amazing hits. But what people didn't realise was well, he also had the biggest number of like misses, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, and so, I, and 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 when asked like how he was able, you know, why he was so good, he just said, "Q 
keep swinging the bat. <laughs> that was his kind of answer. And I, I, do, I, I do think of that um, <laughs> every now and again. It's just keep swinging the bat and then sooner or later you're going to hit it. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a good analogy. I mean, and, and the point is that people had faith enough in him to put him in front of the pitcher enough times to, you know, for him to have the opportunity to hit it the most um as well so but the, i think the bottom line is that yeah he, he recognizes that he missed more times than he hit um but uh, that's often forgotten um, yes exactly yes people don't see that or remember that so uh, but the, the odds are, uh, for entrepreneurial ventures actually making it big are very slim and not to put anybody off um but i think statistically something like only one in 20 um of these harebrained ideas ever make it to market and get venture capitalist investment and really take off. So, you know, there's 19 other entrepreneurs that are left wanting. Um, that, that's a, you know, wow. sad and yeah. do, you, do you think that, do you think all entrepreneurs will want their idea to go big? Well, no. I, I, yeah, I agree with you here as well. I mean, this is a completely different uh, spin-off because a lot of the people on my program um, were actually actively seeking, you know, like Dragon's Den, uh, yeah. Angel investors with a view to getting venture capitalism, with a view to exiting. Mm. Mm. And I said, and I, yeah. I, I identified a gap, and I said, well, hang on, what about anybody who just wants to run a business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like <laughs> us here that are having a conversation now. And I, I just, I actually did, I did feed that back to the professors and said, um, yeah, the, there's a potential gap here because you know sometimes it's enough just to be able to run a business, isn't it? Than to, to, mm. to go for the big win all the time. So um, I, that, that's something I'm bringing to the outfit now at the moment, and one of the reasons why I want to um, further my studies into PhD so I can try and contribute to the to the institution. But but no, I, I'm an amazing experience, and and I think the funniest thing about the political marketing route that I was explaining as well, just to change the subject completely, was that uh, the recent um, campaign you, you you'll know it, Theresa May's campaign. Um, the, the, my my, uh, my potential supervisor is writing a book called May's Mis Miscalculations, and uh, the, you might have seen on on Facebook the amount of um, marketing or political marketing that was in circulation ar around that yeah. particular um, general election, the snap general election. Do you do you remember seeing any of it? Gosh, there was a lot, all sorts. Yes. So, I mean, suddenly everybody. It, it's just the, the whole world suddenly became politically motivated in about the last two days, didn't they? And um, some of the, the marketing I saw there was hilarious and I think the, probably the biggest takeaway was Tory Jesus <laughs> and uh, I mean it's hilarious if, you've got, if you get a, ch a chance to have a look at it it, it, was, it was quite funny the, the view, the dichotomy created by you know, the idea of Jesus and then Tory Jesus um, you have to go and look at it to see what I'm talking about but that, that um, I, I shared that with this, the political marketing professor and he's going to feature that in his book <laughs> which I thought was quite impressive so um, it's amazing that you know if you just keep an eye on even things like Facebook and and all of the social media channels that are out there, um, yeah, I mean it, there's a, a great source or wealth of information to study and and look into and pick apart if you really want to. So that's just my 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 most recent research interest. I think it it can be. I've heard. I think it can be interesting on the political marketing front because especially looking into some of the techniques that have been employed more recently for let's say the Trump campaign or. Uh, the Brexit campaign, in terms of trying to read people's sentiment online and find out what they're interested in, um, perhaps informing people via certain news channels um, and sort of pushing information out there. Um, now, whether rightly or wrongly, whether it's, whether it's correct or good information is, is yes. less relevant. But mm. academically, it's interesting what, what people have done 
to yes. influence the public, um, and which we've been doing in various different ways for you know ever since people wanted to win a particular position. But doesn't it feel even more influenced, like you know, with Brexit and the late, you know, the latest election? Doesn't it just feel more and more influenced by like social media? Like it's going to be, I mean, it's not going away. It's only more than money is going to be spent on that because it's so targetable, yeah. and you can give people a message. I heard something the other day. You know, I think I was watching a program about Facebook, and you know, you can literally specify so precisely that you could give those people a particular message that you know they want to hear. Yeah. Whether it's true or not, well, you know, I don't know, um, you know, to vote for you. Uh, and so with that kind of, you know, targetedness, not like a flyer through the door kind of thing, you know, campaign, I think literally campaigns are going to be won or lost on on their Facebook yeah. budget. Well, do you think? very much so. I, I actually think that that is the key reason why what happened recently happened. Um, the One of May's major miscalculations was the young vote. And, and suddenly, you know, young people suddenly became motivated uh, to, politically yeah. motivated to get involved. And suddenly the NME mm. was pumping Jeremy Corbyn all over the front cover of their magazine. Yeah. And then Jeremy Corbyn's at, at Glastonbury. And suddenly Labour becomes anti-establishment. And, and, then it, and then, you know, then it mm. becomes a little bit laughable because now effectively Labour is anti-establishment. But on, on, uh, the, on the Tories, looking at it from the Tory perspective, they didn't engage with the young people in, in, in any way, shape or form. It was just Theresa May saying repeatedly a strong and stable leadership. Mm. And, and she, she insulted uh, the, the British public's intelligence, to be honest. Well, and, yes. And, and they reacted. So it, mm. it's, 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 a funny, uh, it's a funny old world. I mean, but that recent election was, was definitely something worth you know, looking at in some, in some detail what happened there, the dynamic of, of the country's opinion changing and swaying and moving around, mm. you know. In light of geopolitical events but, and yeah the, the, i mean the big problem with that is and i hate to use a, a, a trumpism here but like the kind of fake news side of things yes where you know messages people are getting are completely untrue from both sides with a lot of you know cleverly made up statistics yeah it's not even necessarily fake a lot of the time it's just skewed it's just a, a presentation of the facts that support something by looking at them in a certain way yeah i i love I love Winston Churchill's take on statistics. He says, um, people um, use statistics like a drunk uses a lamppost more for support than <laughs> yeah. illumination. Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> Which I, I love. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, even Churchill is the greatest spin doctor. I mean, if you, uh, did anyone see Dunkirk recently? No, no, not, not yet. I haven't seen oh, it. No. I mean, it's, it's an amazing film. Um, and because even just from a political marketing perspective, the, one of the first things you see is... Uh, a leaflet being dropped from the sky and, and it's saying we have you surrounded you know from the germans and i thought oh fantastic so uh but really what happened in dunkirk i mean not to give the whole story away but I, I, it wasn't what I, ex I thought it would be the film but um at the very end you know you hear church's speech about you know we'll fight them on the beaches and, and all of this but that, that's off the back of you know effectively uh, you know a controlled withdrawal from um, europe um and that's why he's the ultimate spin doctor because dunkirk was a, a, a retreat and he, he turned that around into something, you know, inspired everybody off the back of that. I mean, uh, <clears throat> as far as speeches go, I mean, that, that's one of the, the most memorable speeches of all time, you know. Um, but yeah, worth a watch, Dunkirk. But, but not, um, not as sensational as en and entertaining as your average war film, should we say. Just a little bit of a slow burner and 
bit moody. Well, Donald, I <laughs> await I await your book on the analysis of uh, the Brexit politics or what's around the marketing and Brexit <laughs> politics. I, I think that would be uh, yeah, one to yeah. watch. Well, it's actually um, yeah, Professor Baines's book, um, May's Miscalculations, is is currently underway. And uh, if you see a reference to Tory Jesus in there, just just remember it was me who gave him the, the nod uh, of what was happening on social media. You know that led to what happened. You know so. Uh, keep an eye out for that book. <laughs> well, it's about this time when we move from one topic to another that I'll do a podvert. But um, as I have neither had time to G anyone up um, on podverts as I've been away, um, and no one has posted a podvert, we don't have one. So I'm going to use this space to promote what a podvert is. Now, you've, um, I think we've been doing it for the last couple of months. And essentially, it's a little, you know, quite a fun idea where um, anyone who's listening can promote their business or service or, or maybe if, if they want to just say hi to a friend. Um, and all you need to do is just send us a tweet. So you would um, just simply tweet anything as long as you mention at rather inventive and the hashtag podvert. I'll read it out over the, you know, whatever episode is um, following. And we've had some great ones like uh, Rethink Printing, um, the co-working space uh, over in Stroud Cluster. And we've had Donal was on there and um, many more. So um, I do recommend if you've got any service you want to recommend, however big or small your business, it doesn't matter. It's a really nice way for us to find out about who's listening to the podcast. Plus, you get a little something from us. You'll get a link in the show notes. So that's good from an SEO point of view. Uh, plus, we'll, we'll retweet your, your post as well. So all you need to do is just tweet what you'd like to promote. Mention at Rather Inventive and the hashtag Podvert, and I'll sort out the rest. Um, okay, so moving on, let's, let's sort of dive into podcasts in the last sort of 10 minutes or 15 minutes that we've got. Um, and I just want to briefly set the scene on why we started a podcast or, or why I wanted to do it. And then we can talk about how we go through the process. So... Um, well, I love podcasts. I've been listening to them for many years, probably five years now. Um, I mean, they're not new. Podcasts have been around since probably before the... Um, I'd say 10 years, 2007. No, longer than that. that. I mean, they've, they've, yeah, they've been around a long time, but they haven't really... They've, they've been a slow burn, and I think they've always been a slow burn. Uh, but w one of the things... One of the reasons I think people like podcasts... Actually, let's, let's just skip back a bit. I mean, people who are listening to this podcast should generally know what one is. But just the way I put it, it's a podcast is like a radio show, which is uh, where you get to pick exactly what you want to listen to and exactly when you want to listen to it. And in fact, there's so many different podcasts out there on lots of different topics. Some are funny, some are political, some are you know, um, story-based, that you are going to find something that will interest you. And I've got quite a good mix, mostly technology, but some story ones, even some sort of music ones in there as well. So it's a real, uh, real mix of podcasts. And, and all they are are just audio files that people have recorded, just like us, um, put online somewhere. Some use professional hosting, some just put it on their website. And um, you just link to it in an RSS feed, which is a real simple syndication, but it's just a way of um, uh, putting a list of pages and with some data down. Um, I didn't explain that way very well. <laughs> it's... Um, RSS is just a way of putting data on the internet, which is in a common format that lots of um, systems can take in and read. And so uh, many years ago, I think it was Apple who pushed it forward a little bit, built RSS into um, iTunes. 
and um, allow people to subscribe to podcasts and it just basically downloaded them onto their computer on a regular basis. And now we've got mobile devices, it's much, much more easily, it just automatically downloads the latest episodes of whatever you're interested in listening to and they're ready and waiting for you to, to um, crack on with. So that's sort of the background for podcasts, and I've always enjoyed listening to them. I've got a lot of information. I've learned a lot from podcasts. I've got a lot of entertainment um, out of them, and they're particularly useful for me when I'm walking the dog or otherwise my hands are busy doing something else, um, like um, washing up or chores around the house or whatever it is, and I can use them to pass the time. Um, Whereas video doesn't quite do that. Video really needs your attention, so I think podcasts are quite good from that point of view, because you can just dive in, in and out of them when you want to, and you don't even need to be looking at a screen. Given that podcasts are generally free, why, why do you think people, so many people, um, use their time to create podcasts when they might not really get anything tangible back from it? Yeah, that's a good question. I think a lot of people just like sharing something, whether it's their thoughts on a computer game that they've um, played recently, films they've watched, technology they're into. Um, particular seeds they put in their garden and how they grow and how they do things. Yeah, or blog. I think people... Yeah, or, or... That's a podcast <laughs> I probably won't listen to. <laughs> well, I think people enjoy... Some people enjoy sharing what they've learnt. And I think some of that comes comes out of podcasts. Um, some of it is more professional and commercial, like um, the BBC puts out a lot of podcasts. I mean, they really mm. do put out... a lot. All of their good professional content, most of it is put out on a podcast. Um, on a regular basis. You've got the news quiz, which is, is very good. In fact, they've got a Friday night comedy podcast. Um, a lot of their um, plays that they, they create or, or buy in, they're put out on their podcast. Archers even, I think I mentioned that, comes out on a podcast. Um, there's, there's tons of content available. I, I think why people do it is because they they enjoy it. It's like blogging. They sort of enjoy putting information out there and, and they get a joy from people reading it and commenting on it. I think, yeah, and, and what you're discussing there is the same, is true of, the likes of Facebook or anything where you're able to share an aspect of your life and you get a like on your picture. I mean, it's it's the same thing, isn't it? I mean, Mm. Facebook is just a a huge contributive Mm. well of everybody's resources that they're, you know, they're managing their own little web space, aren't they? And sharing that. And I think that's, that's really the the, the crux Mm. of, uh, or the, the, the the very root of any kind of social media, uh, including podcasts. And and that is, you know, just, it, it offers people a platform and it also offers people an insight or a little, um, you know, a look into another world that is perhaps a niche world that isn't that isn't mainstream. Uh, and and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has its place. And I know I know you love your podcast, Ben, because you tell us every every week when you are, when you say, uh, are, "Are you watching any interesting films or podcasts?" And uh, you always recommend a new podcast. Oh yeah, so so as part of the internal internally within um, rather inventive, we've got a question that comes up in Basecamp uh, every month saying, "What are you interested in?" And usually something is uh, something that I put um, on there is a, is a is a podcast. Um, I think, I think for me as well, what I particularly enjoy about podcasts is listening to other people discuss things and getting to know those people over a number of episodes. I mean, a lot of the podcasts I've listened to are, um, have been over a number of years. So you feel you really get to know some of those people, um, as not friends, but you get to know their, um, their opinions on things. You get to, um, if, if a new product comes out, you want to hear what their opinion is and see how they've dived in and spent time using certain things. You, you know, you expect 
you very much enjoy the conversation they have, not necessarily for um, extracting every piece of valuable information. So there's something um, nice about it. It's part, you feel part of a community. Do you think it's a bit like kind of overhearing a conversation mm. in, in a pub yeah. between two friends, mm. but they don't know you're listening? Yeah. But actually, in a podcast, they do. But it's a bit like that sort of just interest in other people's, <laughs> what other people are saying. A little bit voyeuristic as well. Sort of, yeah. yeah. And I think also you were saying earlier, Daniel, I think there is a kind of, and the internet does provide this really well, there is a kind of almost basic human need to be liked and to be like acknowledged. And of course, the internet and podcasts to uh, provide that platform. And I think there was some studies showing that, that you get a small endorphin hit when something you've said on Facebook is liked by someone. Uh, and some people need that more than others. And you obviously get Facebook addicts. And, and that's that's the addiction it is that like and you, you, you need lots of likes in order to, you know, get that little hit each time. Absolutely. I think you're onto something there. And it is an, addic- it is an addiction. It can cause an addiction in many ways. That, that little boost or that little endorphin hit um, is, what, is what inspires people to keep mm. doing it, I guess. And uh, uh, um, But mm. the, the other side of that is how disappointed they are when they don't get any likes. <laughs> yeah, like I made a particularly witty comment the other day and no one liked it. And I'm thinking, oh, oh. That, was, that wasn't your what? doing. That was the algorithm. <laughs> you can blame Facebook for that. <laughs> Oh, right. that's good then. Oh, that's, I'm, yeah, because the other, the other annoyance is that you may share something, and, and if if the algorithms, because isn't Facebook the algorithm? It it will only show you certain things, or so it knows what you want oh, yeah. to see. And if you haven't spoke, if you haven't heard oh, yeah. from anybody in a long time, you're friends with them on Facebook. You might never see what they publish. Yeah, so, um, absolutely. Yeah, it yeah, wants to yeah. please you. Its aim is to get in front of you things that <laughs> um, you will like doing yeah. stuff with, and so. But at the same yeah, time, the al- the algorithm stealing your thunder, isn't it? you're trying yeah. to get a, uh, send out a big joke that everybody would the majority of your friends on facebook would find interesting and the algorithm yeah. only, only shows it to 10 then it goes uh, <laughs> no it's been shown no that this wasn't funny every other time it was published so we're not going to really bore your friends with this sorry but certainly yeah on, on social media you're, you're going to get that and, and remember that when people are viewing their feeds they're not looking at one person's feed generally they're looking at their compiled feed of all the people they're following so they're getting a very mixed bag of things going through and with um with facebook then filtering that it's even worse because you're you're getting what facebook mm-hmm. see what, what the one of the reasons i like podcasts is because they are linear so yes you get to pick and choose what you want to listen to but once you're listening to it you don't get interrupted by other podcasts um or it doesn't chop and change between the mm-hmm. podcasts you're listening to mm-hmm. you will listen to that one for a stretch and then it'll go on automatically pay and the next one and the next one or you can queue them up in in different audio orders but you get you mm-hmm. get some continuity to that conversation you don't, um, even though it's one way, but you're not having to... I, I find social media sometimes a bit overwhelming because you do get this constant barrage of d- different information, um, however good you are at filtering it. <laughs> I do Yeah. Um, yeah, you do. You see all sorts of stuff from all around the world and then you see an advert, oh, a torch. That's quite a nice torch. And then it, it's, you literally are all over the place. Yeah, it's not good for, like you say, concentrating mm. on. But I suppose it's quite good for being able to sort of multitask and you know, work on lots of different levels all at the same time, which will probably help us humans in the future because it's it's going to be, you know, information overload in, in the future, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's, it's already it's that still way. We're going to have to learn is it, it, being bombarded with even more, mess, you know, messages that we get now, like advertising messages and, and other information. Oh, yeah, coming to advertising, I mean, that's another thing on podcasts I found to be quite effective, that as you get to know these people who are talking to you, if they, if they are supported by advertising on their podcast... Um, often if they're doing it right 
hopefully like we are, the adverts are part of the conversation. So they, they will be brought in um, without too much fanfare. I know we've got a bit of a bed to our um, sponsor that um, Donal puts in. But that's just to lift it out, maybe um, just just to um, change the pitch a little bit, change the tone. But if people have um, adverts as part of their podcast, then I forgot my train of thought where I was going to go with that. <laughs> that's the problem. Um, mm. So I advertise this. Um, well, I could, well I, could, I could ask a question here, Ben, because actually this is a question I was going to ask. Is um, how do people sort of fund podcasts? Because obviously there's time involved and sometimes it's lots of people's time. And yes, they might want to do it altruistically and because they're interested and they, and they like the likes mm. that they get and comments. But if you're running a professional kind of podcast, how, how, do, how do those podcasters um, you know, create revenue or, or income? Well, of it? all the different podcasts I've listened to, there's a few different ways. Um, the first is that they are a business and so they have a product they're selling and the podcast is merely a way to market or attract people nearer to that company so they might buy the product related to it. So they may well have an advert for their own product on there or the back end of a podcast. I know there's two I listen to, one um, called Rework, which is advertising for Basecamp. It's a Basecamp podcast. And then there's another one, I can't remember the name of it, but it's owned by and run by Slack. And so basically... Slack is mentioned at points throughout the podcast. So they don't get advertisers. They are their own advertiser as part of it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really a side project funded by the company. Um, then there are ones which are funded purely through advertisers. So they might go to an advertising network and get two to three adverts that they'll read out on their podcast, which hopefully are related to the audience listening to it. So um that, you know, if it's a technical podcast, then they might read um, read about new. They might have adverts for new technical devices coming out, new iPhones or iPhone cases, or or maybe even shaving equipment because they they expect it to be maybe a mostly male audience. Although, um, but the other form is that they can um, seek payment from the people listening. So there's some podcasts I listen to where they use. I can't remember what the service is called. It's um, it's not the App Store and Apple. No, no, no. Basically, they will they will ask for payment from the people listening. So the podcast is actually free, but if you like it, they say it would be nice for you to give them some money. And there there are a couple of services that people use, and they've gone from my head at the moment. But if I remember, I'll I'll put them in the the show notes. PayPal. Uh, no, not PayPal. They're actually <laughs> actually services for support. Patreon. Did that's that one of them. Patreon. Them? A podcast payment system? No, it's not specifically for podcasts. They're specifically for people who are oh. doing creative things, but podcast is one of them. Oh, so okay. you can you can have your mm. um, Warhammer games podcast, right? Really niche. You're going to have a few people interested in it, but hopefully those who are really interested in it will be willing to pay maybe a few pounds a month, and that will be enough to put, to, put towards mm. um, the costs of recording, maybe buying new mics or whatever that the, the person needs to do. Uh, maybe... And do you think they do get income from this? Like, is there any way of knowing? I suppose. Um, the only, I was, can I just come in at this point? Yeah, I was, I was going to come back what Al, to what Al said earlier, and I said yeah, that, that's an interesting question about what, what kind of value can you regenerate from publicising your, what your wares via a, a podcast? And, mm. and that's part of the wider question is how do you quantify the value of marketing? Mm-hmm. And one of the things I, I discovered on, uh, on, on my program was that um, it's actually extremely difficult to quantify, which is why the operations part of the business generally hates marketing, um, because everybody knows marketing has, it has definite value. You can't market your, you have to market your product. 
um, in order to get people interested in it to buy it. But it's really difficult for operations planners, and there are consultants called SNOP planners, sales and operation planners, who try to manage the offering um, in line with what marketing promised, because marketing obviously promised the earth usually. I'm, I'm referring back to the railway where I was for a number of years, where marketing promised the earth, and then the operations have the hell of a time trying to deliver it. Um, but the, the, the question is, how do you value the marketing, um, and what's the return on investment? And there are consultants that will spend a hell of a lot of time trying to calculate the metrics on, uh, okay, the ROI on this campaign was six to one, where we, we spent you know a million and generated six in terms of sales. But when you get down to the bare bones and the, and the, the ins and outs of it, it, the truth is it is very hard to put your finger on where that value came from and, and actually from each podcast what is the actual value per podcast I mean you could work out an average of your entire marketing spend but the, the truth is you never know where a sale is going to come from and it only takes one one po- podcast to meet one rich benefactor um, for you to get massive investment so um, I, I guess exactly I mean a, a lot of these podcasts where they are um, subscriber or listener funded you probably will have people, a few people who have money who are willing to spend, you know, um, from five to thirty pounds a month on supporting them, and and then but the vast majority will will be doing it for free. But that's fine because that's just the way it works. And eventually, you might feel after listening to it for a year or two years that you feel I should really pay them some money now. I've got a lot out of it. Um, just on, on why we do it, um, I think there's two reasons. One, I'm I felt that I wanted to practice doing this. I thought it was quite an interesting. Um, thing that we could do online, something that we could put out. It doesn't require too much work because there's no video, so we don't need to get dressed up for it. Uh, I am dressed, by the way. <laughs> um, if anyone's wondering. Yeah. <laughs> or am I? Um, well, this on episode. What about the previous episode? <laughs> um, but the other thing is, I, I think there's a lot of things that Al and, Al and I talk about. We, we generally either have catch-ups once a week or, or when we meet up, we'll, we'll talk about things. Uh, and now with Claire as well when she joins us. And so there's a lot of things Al and I talk about and, and elements of those could be useful to other people. So, so that came out of it and we wanted to include some of that. But also I think it helps us talk about some of the concepts that we um, preach or talk about in, in terms of coaching. It gives someone or it, it gives potential customers a... Uh, a sample of what we like to work with, that hopefully we're a bit fun, that we know what we're talking about, that, we, uh, that we're interested in things. Um, so yes, I mean, we're, we're one of those companies who are basically self-advertising and, and sponsoring ourselves, um, but we're doing it for multiple different reasons. And I think the reason we'll continue is because we like doing it. And I think we'll stop when we don't enjoy doing it anymore. Uh, it may evolve into something else or we might stop altogether, but so far, so good from my point of view. Yeah, I think you've hit hit the nail on the head there, Ben. I mean, uh, on several levels, because uh, I can tell you really enjoy uh, making the podcast. And at the end of the day, there isn't really, you haven't got any way of saying we'll tangibly get anything out of this other than we're just making something that we enjoy doing. And that even just that, that um, ethos will feed back into the ethos of the business itself, which is to be this kind of friendly neighbourhood uh, marketing specialist that you know anybody is quite approachable and if you've got a query you can approach and then for me as a as a as a listener and I've listened to nearly all the podcasts now I've been looking at um, what Alan the discourse that you and Al have and objectively I'm able to think yeah actually this appeals to uh, technically technically minded um, marketing people in general whether you, you're specializing in web websites web design 
or um, or you're you're part of an entrepreneurial network in your local area, or and I'm I'm looking at the thread and and at the entire body of of what the podcasts offer, and uh, and, and 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 it's heartwarming. I have to say. I mean, even as a listener, I, I buy into the, the, to this just by listening to it and I think, yeah, this is actually really nice stuff to share and i'm sure there's an audience out there who would really appreciate and especially a lot of the technical advice that you give al as well i I find it quite fascinating to hear what goes on behind the scenes of the likes of wordpress and and things like that um and just to raise my own awareness of of what's happening in the digital domain and environment it's really useful to to know so yeah keep it keep it up lads we've got at least one listener (laughs) that's great but obviously i'm I'm biased obviously i'm biased (laughs) Well, that leads me in. Should we talk about, uh, just very quickly about the, pro- um, the process? And also, I just uh, know that we're running over time, and I know that Donald always tells us off uh, for running over. Oh, and oh don't worry. Time. On this occasion, I've got, lots right. I've got lots to edit out. <laughs> <laughs> Most so, yeah, carry on. So what, if, let's just cover the process of the podcast briefly, how we go about doing it. Um, sometimes it's more professional than others, but broadly speaking, I will, um, I've got a template in Basecamp already set up with some uh, the basic sort of format for our podcast, which has got um, uh, just talking about a little bit of an intro. Uh, it's got the sponsor. Then we've got some topics marked in there and then the sign-off. And then basically, over time, I'll try and fill that in with ideas and then share that with Al. Um, it's usually the day before, uh, the day of the podcast. In this case, it was... <laughs> yes, I was going to say, lucky if it's the day before. It's normally the minute before. <laughs> but, but Al, <laughs> Al normally is sort of working on his own list in the background. And then we sort of merge those together. And um, we'll basically sort of thin out the topics and see see what um, we can discuss. And if there's one thread we need to talk about, or, or maybe there's a few different things to jump around on. I must admit, I wasn't sure how much prep you did uh, leading up to each podcast. And it's interesting for me to see. I, I wasn't sure if you have a meeting, a pre-meeting. I was hoping there would be a pre-meeting about what we're actually going to discuss today. But we actually just jumped, jumped straight in and, and it became a little bit more free-flowing. I mean, I just gave you a few pointers. Oh, I could talk about this, I could talk about that. Yeah. And, it, and as it happened, we ended, we ended up talking about it anyway without discussing whether we should or we shouldn't. We just did it. You and know, do you know and, what? I think, from my point of view, I prefer not to have too much thought over exactly what we're going to talk about. I like loose topics, so I like to know we've got a few things to talk about. But apart from that, I like like the fact that we can bring in other things. We mentioned different tools. and, And actually, as we talk, more things crop up and those can come into the conversation. I really like that aspect of it. Um, and from my point of view, that that works quite nicely. And I must um, say, I really like the seamless flow between the, the, the we're not recording, but we are recording. And actually, this is an advert now. And by the way, what did you do this morning? Oh, and we're working on that now as well. And I just like the way that there's this constant thread or it's almost like a stream of consciousness in a way. It is separate from the, the constant bombardment that you might get on social media platforms. It's just a, a, just a more relaxing thread that can be, can be at work in the background of whatever you're doing anyway, isn't it? So, yeah, it's, it's its own thing. And uh, it's quite unique in that Well, aspect. it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. And thank you. Um, I, I, I would like this podcast to be something that people can just listen to in the background. Maybe if they're doing some easy work, maybe they're doing some accounting or some boring aspect of their business, which they know well, and they can put something on in the background. I don't expect them to listen to every word, but maybe a couple of tools will come out or some tips and they'll get something from it. And that's all I expect. You know, it's not something I expect everyone to hang on every word. It really isn't, isn't about that. Um, so, so once we've got basically this very simple amount of prep, and, and you know, that will vary depending on how much time we've got, we just start recording now. 
and we just start talking, Al and I will start talking about some of the things that we might cover, and then we just get straight into it, pretty much like we started this podcast, Daniel. So I think, you know, this is an average for our podcast, really. Um, I usually mess around with the recording for five minutes, trying to make sure that we're actually recording at every single time. Oh, wow, can we do a test record? And I need to make sure it works. Because, because one of the things I'm quite paranoid with is that we'll have this hour conversation and then none of it's recorded. So on mm. that note, um, I'll talk Shall about... Shall we start recording now, do you think? Let's <laughs> start recording. I'm constantly looking at the two recording things, making sure they're going. So what we're using currently for our setup is something called Zencaster. So this is Zencaster.com. Um, I, I heard about it on a podcast that I listened to. They had started using it, so I thought we'd give it a try. And it's actually free for um, so many uses per month. Uh, not many, um, but it's just in line with what we want to use it for. Maybe it's once a week. Um, it's perfect. It allows you to have guests. So you can just present them with a link online um, in Chrome. And all your guests just hop onto that episode and you can press record and it starts recording all of the conversation. And in fact, it even manages the conversation over the internet for you. So you don't actually need any other application at all. Um, the beauty of using Zencaster is it does what's called double-ended recording. So it will record not only the host, so that's me in this case, it will not only record my audio through my mic, but it will also record Al's audio through his mic. And and hopefully Donal's audio through his mic. And what that gives us at the end of it, or gives Donal when he puts it together, are three files, which Mm -hmm. means he's just got me, Al, and himself on all of those separate channels. So if there's a cough there or someone needs to leave or a connection gets broken, he can actually edit all those out. Um, Maybe Al, um, maybe Donal, can you tell us about how you edit it, what process you go through? Yeah, so um, uh, re- actually, it feels like nearly every time I've edited it, I've, it's arrived in a different format. But I'm, in, in many ways, I'm used to that now. So I, I tend to get two files now of late, mm-hmm. um, where there's a recording of actually it was, it was blended recorded uh, last time, wasn't it? Uh, last time, yeah, Zencaster failed. Actually, mm-hmm. they had a massive yeah. problem, and we couldn't use them, so we had to use Skype or FaceTime. I can't remember, and we just recorded the output. So it was um, so, we made do. So what I did there was, I mean, it feels like every time it's slightly different, but on this occasion, I I had one channel which was fused with Al and yourself, um, and then I had another channel of just Al, which was slightly out of line with with the other one. So um, the the tribulations to begin with were that, oh, hang on a minute, there's an echo here. Do we really need the second channel of just Al, uh, or we could just listen to the first? So I I started editing it with just a fused one, and then realized, actually, hang on a minute, Al's a little bit quiet. So maybe we could go back and put him back in, but this time if I just slip it a little bit and try and match it up, it might work. And I wasn't sure if it would. And then by slipping it slightly, and I had to do it by hand and eye and ear, and then I realised once I'd got them perfectly matched, I was like, bingo, you know, actually this is a really nice recording now. Yeah, it's um, good you couldn't tell. There was no echo on there at all. So, and then, and then typically what I do is listen to uh, the discourse, and, uh, yeah, if there are, are any... Um, any sounds, unwanted artifacts or sounds that would be better if they weren't there. Or if somebody stutters and says, oh, actually, can I start that bit again? Then obviously I'll take that out and try and keep the conversation a bit more free-flowing. Occasionally we'll lose owl or other or there will be a strange weird sound in the background that i'll have to remove as well and then but yeah i'll just try and uh, make make the whole conversation flow better and and just be uh, just one seamless piece of audio that you can listen to without any interruption or 
um, without, herds, me... without herds of wildebeest sort of roaming in the background or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, actually, yeah, the, the the dream job coach interview that I, I did for Ben there the other day, uh, uh, there, there were they sounded like a gaggle of people nearby who just kept laughing <laughs> impromptu in the middle of what Ben was saying. Um, uh, and a lot, doesn't it, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> they Obviously do, not. and it's it's not with me. <laughs> I mean, they're obviously having their own little conversation, but it, 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 I obviously had to extract those parts and then try and make the rest of the conversation seem a bit more, um, you know, free-flowing. But I managed to do that, and, uh, and the end result, were you happy with it? Yeah, no, it's good. I, I think there was one thing that didn't sound right. It wasn't to do with the audio. There was one thing I picked out. I can't remember what it was. I think I restarted, and it was just a little tiny thing missed out. It's um, very minor. Um, I can't even remember what it was now, but... It, it was great, yeah. It, I didn't hear any of those noises come through. Yeah, the only thing that was still in was you saying, uh, actually, I'll start that bit again. Yeah. Normally, that's the bit where I'd say, okay, edit, cut, you know, and, and, and you're, you're pretty good at directing me as an editor while you're recording. So you, it's almost like you've got two brains, Ben, where one is firmly focused on your... Uh, your interviewee and then uh, your other brain is thinking how will this sound when it's edited now it's different yeah when i'm interviewing it's different so so this is a podcast so so this is a conversation mainly between al and i sometimes a guest coming in and um generally i'll let you sort out the editing and chop things about but what what we do if we do make a mistake and we want you definitely want you to redo it we'll tell you we'll just talk to you don't or can you cut that out can you redo that bit and start again sometimes it's obvious you could what you can do and sometimes we we, we've stumbled up or we've said something just completely wrong. We want to redo it. And I think really all your job is in the editing is just to make it so those glitches don't interrupt the flow of the listening. We don't want people to be thinking about the problems or the re, the coughs or, or the noises they hear. We just want the, the audio to wash over them. So that's really your job. It's not to correct the ums and ers so much as to make sure it flows correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, or even, you know, some, some podcasts will chop things up quite heavily. They'll have a lot of background music and, and, and they'll change the, the, the chronology or the order of it. And so um, it's quite a different podcast output to what was recorded. But ours, ours is pretty much uh, as it was recorded. With you don't the, have the budget for that sort of no, thing. <laughs> With the interviews, however, they, they are different because often I'm not talking. My job is just to ask a few questions and let them talk. So while they're talking, I am trying to take in what they're saying but also i'm thinking about how they are going to um what what the next question is to make sure it's going to arrive at the right time i'm also coaching the interviewee about how they should restart things and and uh, if they've got a problem how they need to stop wait start again that they don't need to rush through it it is a it feels different definitely i feel i feel there's a lot more on me when i'm doing an interview um is Donald? Is there a kind of rule of thumb of how long it takes to edit, let's say, ten minutes of audio, or does it, does it just depend on the quality of that particular it's a, it's audio? A good at the question. Time? Um, it was taking me. Uh, uh, I think to begin with, I was really obsessive about making sure every little um ah uh, or any anything other was was removed, and it was taking me at least uh, uh, probably an hour per ten minutes. I think it, you know it was slow motion. Mm. Um, but uh, I think it's uh, I've I've got a little bit more um, accustomed to how how the conversations should flow and in what depth I need to chop it down and um, yeah it, 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 the process is a lot more streamlined now I, I don't think I was I'm, a, I'm as obsessive now as I was uh, to begin with but um, I mean it still takes it's still a good uh, takes a good it still takes a good bit of time but I think on average I mean it depends on how much detail you want to go into it could take an hour per ten minutes if you're completely 
obsessed with every little bit of it, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's how long's a piece of string, really, isn't it? Um, but you'll be amazed at how, how many things could be said in, in 10 minutes, even. Um, yeah. there, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a long time to fill. Mm. And in, in terms of film terms, I mean, it's even longer, you know. So this is just audio. Uh, 10 minutes can be epic, if you were making a film that, that was long, that was that long. So audio is it's obviously not as intense, intensive, but not as intensive, but uh, but certainly requires a, a degree of attention. So once once um, as Donald goes through the edit, he'll also be taking a list of any interesting things we mention. So if we mention a person, a website, a tool, whatever it is, he'll just w- put them in there. And then I can use that as a guide to putting together the show notes so that I can then add the actual links in and, and link through to the, the relevant places. So that's really helpful, actually, uh, Donald being able to do that for us. Um, I, I also didn't mention that we do two recordings. So we've got Zencastle recording at the moment. And as a backup, I also use a program called Audio Hijack. And what that will do is record the output from Zencaster. So what what I'm hearing in my ears now, which is a mix of all of you two together, um, I'm recording that into a file on my computer. And that is a just-in-case. If Zencaster fails for some reason, then we have that file, which isn't as good quality, but it will do. It'll be something that we can work with. Um, So it's always good to have that that backup just-in-case as well. so, so basically, once Donald's done that, he'll hand it back to me, and I, I um, download the file. It's just a raw um, MP3 file, and I listen to it all the way through in Overcast. So I upload it to my podcast player, Overcast, and I listen to it all the way through on my walk, and just make sure there's nothing in there that I, as, as a listener, I don't hear, but I've not had any course to make any changes, really. Um, if there are, I'll feed them back to Donald, and um, after that, we put it onto SoundCloud. So I get this MP3 file and upload it to SoundCloud. Um, I'm, we might be moving away from SoundCloud, though, at some point, because I have a feeling they're not doing so well, someone said. So, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know if that is the case. I've got to check into it. They've not said anything. Um, but if they do, we'll have to find another host for the podcast. Um, but really, SoundCloud are just a place to put it. They're like a YouTube for audio. So I'll put the audio there because I don't have to worry about bandwidth and hosting. It's just on their servers and they manage that mm. process. They manage the player and everything. I don't know of any other service like that. I don't tend to use podcasts and things and just audio. So I don't really know of any. Like SoundCloud for me is is the place. The so. Yeah, I imagine, I imagine SoundCloud was a place where people would showcase their songs that they'd made. But I didn't think you could host podcasts there. But I guess why not? Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I, and in fact, I just, uh, yeah. In fact, I was just going to say, I'm, oh no, go on. <laughs> You're the guest. Huh? Oh, all right. No, I was just going to say, I, I, just, I, I imagined uh, YouTube might have been a, uh, a bit more of a, the normal place to host a podcast. So you, you could. You, unusual, you, you, you need to yeah. make sure it's got some video element to it. That's the only problem. So um, ideally, yeah, what I want to do in the future is have some way of doing a video version of what we've got here. Um, it's mm-hmm. just impractical at the moment. Um, but in the future we might do that and, and then yeah sure that that would be our pod that would be our video version that goes on YouTube and then we can have an audio version it is important to have the audio version because um, for podcast players they do require specific the, the mp3 channel and not not actual video um, and also video is bigger um, but yeah so, so at the moment we use SoundCloud and then I'll create a blog post in WordPress on our site and then embed 
a SoundCloud player on that podcast uh, on their on the blog post, and, and that's that's publish it, and that's pretty much it. So two things will happen. We oh, there is one final thing. I've got a we had to register the RSS feed, uh, which I mentioned earlier, which comes out of SoundCloud, and that gets registered onto iTunes um, or now Apple Podcasts. So once it's on there, it gets syndicated or copied onto other podcast places so that people can just tap into their podcast player rather inventive or something inventive and it'll pop up and they can start, they can subscribe and they can play to it. They can play it. And that's that's pretty much our process. It's fairly straightforward. I think um, it does take quite a bit of time. I mean, the podcast itself is now we've been running for um, what, over an hour and a half on this particular one. Uh, and then Donal's editing time as well, plus a bit of prep time. And there's good um, good sort of day's worth of time, really, I think, from all of us involved on it. Um, so hopefully it's good. Hopefully people like the podcast. If you've got any feedback, do send it to me. You can you can write to hello at ratherinventive.com or just tweet us at ratherinventive. Have um, we got any... Can I just ask? I might remove it if the answer is not, not what we want to hear, but have we got any followers? <laughs> yeah, we, is there, it varies. It, it really does depend. The, the, older, the older podcasts, uh, the older episodes tend to have more followers and there's certain um, or certain plays, number of plays, but there, there are certain episodes which have more plays than others, and I'm experimenting with why that is. I think sometimes it's to do with the keywords that I actually put into the title. What were the big hitters so far, then? Oh, let me have a look. <laughs> Just to have interest. Yeah, so, oh, let me go to a different browser, because I am in the wrong browser. You might have to... Give us, give us the top three. You might have to just edit this while I fluff around. Can we add in some sort of drum roll effect later in post-production? I'm imagining it now as we speak. <laughs> okay, so on SoundCloud, we want the top top of the pops. Are we allowed to use that? Oh, sure. No, probably not. <laughs> okay, can I we could make the 8-bit version of it? <laughs> okay, the one with the most is, with 312 plays, is just put something like this. How to make your copy search engine friendly. So that I think did that include Catherine? So so there may have been a mix of things there. It could be the title. It could be that yeah. Catherine was sharing it, and maybe other people reshared it after that. Yeah. Um, at two with a hundred plays is the future of ads. That was another guest. So that was Jonathan Pollinger. So number three. Okay, with eighty-two plays, we've got uh, a nice cup of tea in the Archers. Six questions to ask before you start your web project. Yeah, I remember that being a good one. Oh, so so yeah. so really, it's. It, yeah. Oh, sorry to interrupt you there, Al. I was no, just, you're right. Go on. <laughs> I was just going to say uh, it could be a lot to do with what the topics and the title. In that case, I'm wondering. But like you've already you've already uh, said that that could be the reason. Yeah, I'm, I'm finding that they they seem to have more listeners now. I'm I'm putting an extended title to the podcast because we what we've tended to do is pick out something that one of us have said during the podcast and put um, that as a silly title. Which is fine, I and mean, that's good. Um, if in doubt, you know that that works. But um, I found it more useful to people when we also put a bit of information in the title about what it is, and that's just on SoundCloud. So yeah, that's good. And I'm not. The thing is, I mean, they're they're not particularly high listens for um, a podcast that wants to earn advertising revenue. But that's fine. I mean, out of all of the people that we know on our marketing list, I don't expect a huge amount of them listen to podcasts. So this is something I want to grow slowly over time, and eventually we'll we'll you know 
find and reach more people over time. But I, I don't need it to be big. It just needs to be slow growing. Um, one final thing I didn't mention is the mics we're using. So um, the mic both Al and I have is a short, uh, let me read the model, MV5. So that just plugs straight into the Mac and I record directly from there. Al does the same. And I believe, Dono, you're just recording from your Mac's built-in mic? My app, no, I'm using, uh, I think, my Apple iPhone headphones. Okay. Um, that seems to do the trick, yeah. So you can tell us what the difference sounds like. Yes. <laughs> so with that, do you think there's anything else we need to cover on the technology we use? I think we've gone over loosely why we do a podcast and what we use. Is there anything else missed? I don't think so, unless there's sort of like preparation stuff. But I'm just a bit wary of the time we've already used. No, I think... It's about an hour and 25. I think we've probably covered everything then. So, Dono, you've got a nice... This is probably our longest episode you've got to edit, but that's all on you. <laughs> it's a bumper-sized uh, episode on this occasion, but that's okay. I mean, the longer the better. I know you like a long one. I think... I think, <laughs> I think when... Um, you know you, you, know, the dog you, know you joke on that, but actually the, the podcasts I really like are the ones that are two hours or over, so... Oh One day God. we'll get to that. We'll be that podcast. But let, enough for now. We, we should sign off. So, um, Donal, can you give us some locations online that we can find you? All oh, right. Yes. Um, so I'm available in numerous locations. Uh, most easily accessed at Donalized Films, uh, which is Donalized.com. And I'm also, if you're interested in the ebook readers, uh, they can be found at Donalize on eBay and also on Amazon. Donalize Logistics is now registered on Amazon, and please pick up one well, there. You can make but, sure the uh, links go in the uh, in the file as you create it. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, good thinking, Batman. And then uh, Donalize Lexical, yeah, that, that one's still going strong. Although the summer school is about to end, and then uh, then I'm off on my my, my merry travels um, to uh, to explore new new uh, territories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah to go on holiday so uh, yeah. <laughs> well thank you for your time journal it's good to have you on and, and good to hear about different aspects of uh marketing perhaps from a, a sort of more um professional point of view um so you can get me on twitter at ben Kinnaird. al is at inventive al or you can go to our website ratherinventive.com and if you want our free book be sociable you can scroll down to the bottom of our website fill in your email and you'll get that sent to you pretty much straight away. Thank you very much, guys. Good to speak to you, and I'll catch up with you next month. Great. Thank you.